if you would turn with me to Acts 20, that would be great, and we'll find ourselves there. <clears throat> I just want to read a few verses from verse 28. So we're doing a series, Mark, I believe, spoke last week again about spiritual authority and leadership, and we're doing a series because we want to engage you with the process we've been involved with as a leadership team now for several months, and actually in one sense for over a much longer period, and we're in the process of establishing a new eldership team, and, uh, which will include uh, uh, functionally and fully authorized men and women, which is the first time that will have happened here in Hope Church, and that, that's going to be very, very exciting. So, but we want to catch you up in that process. We want your input. We want your help. So hence taking time to explain some of the things that we have been processing uh, so we're going to read this. It's a, it, the context of this is uh, Paul, who really established the Ephesian church sometime before this, is on his way on a trip back to Jerusalem, uh, and he parks his boat on a beach a little way outside of Ephesus, and he calls the elders of the church to him uh, and, and kind of gives them a goodbye speech. And later he says, you probably will never see my face again. So these are quite... These are quite important words. These are things from his heart for this group of leaders of that now probably fairly massive church in the city of Ephesus. Uh, And he said, this is one of the things he said to them, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, I mean, this is really encouraging stuff, isn't it? Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw disciples after them. Just do one more verse, I think. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day and even with tears. So here's Paul giving his heartfelt instructions to the elders of this church and he may not see them again. So I guess he's trying to give them something like, whatever you do, remember this, because I may not be back to remind you again. I may maybe send you a letter or something, which is what he did. And I just want to point out a few key things from that, and we'll we'll kind of draw on that through our morning. Uh, But the Holy Spirit made them elders, although throughout Scripture you see this process of laying on of hands, often by apostles, often by other leaders, but actually he's recognizing actually it's the Holy Spirit that makes people leaders of a congregation. And all the other processes are about trying to discern and recognize who the Holy Spirit is making a leader, not telling the Holy Spirit who to make a leader. Do, do, do you see what I mean? So it, it's humans are involved, the body of Christ is involved, that's really important and we'll talk more about that. But fundamentally, right at the heart of it, this is a heaven-to-earth thing. This is God speaking, God acting, and us clocking, recognizing, and discerning what, what he's doing and with whom he's doing it. Um, and, and the other thing I wanted to, to highlight is it, he encourages them to watch over. 
And, and sometimes that, I think, gets misinterpreted as rule over. And hopefully you've heard in the teaching Mark did and, and, and I did a couple of weeks ago, actually we don't believe that spiritual authority is for over people. Actually, clearly we have authority over demons. I was thinking about this the other day. The point with authority over is if you command a demon to leave, he, he can't engage in a debate whether you have authority to do it or not. He may not want to leave, he may have a hundred reasons why he should stay, but actually, if you speak to that demon, as a, any believer, you have authority of that demon, so that demon has to move out of your space, out of the person in front of you, out of the, the, because you are over them. Yeah? It's not a debate, it's not a vote, it's not, your authority is not in question, but it doesn't use that language here. Spiritual authority towards the congregation is not over them in that sort of directive, no choice, if I tell you, that's it, deal. And hopefully you've heard that as we try to unpack what this means over, over the last couple of weeks. But he does use this word watch over, which is not the same as authority over. Watch over is, is, is much more concerned about having a healthy environment, to use modern language. To, to look after this place and this space to make sure that what's in it is healthy and work hard to prevent unhealthy things arriving in it. Yeah, so he goes on to talk about the potential of unhealthy things arising and he's encouraging them to keep their eye open for, he calls it wolves, because he's using the language of the shepherd. So if you think about it, shepherds don't go up and feed each individual sheep. They're concerned with getting them in the right pasture and keeping the wolves and the threats out of the flock because they stir the flock up, they damage the flock, they kill the sheep, etc. So it's an oversight job which encourages the leadership to bring these people into a place where they can get good food, get fat and healthy, and keep stuff out of the way, stuff that's negative. And, and I think wolves can actually be people. I mean, he uses the word wolves, which it's, it's occasionally is people. I think it Often Paul talks about ideas, so doctrines that are undermining, that are not pointing to the supremacy of Christ and the glory of God and the goodness of God. He's very clear that actually the job of leadership is to look after, if you, if you like, look after the, 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 the truth that's being declared so that it helps God's people feed on the right things and begin to hear God for themselves and grow in strength. Because he later says he commends them to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. So it's really important that what gets taught is a word of grace that builds you up, not a word of law that condemns you. So these are the things that he's concerned to encourage them to do, remind them of as overseers, which is the other word that he uses, of the flock, so it, which matches with the idea of watch over. So overseer is not someone who does everything, is someone who's aware of the whole picture, is someone who's engaged with the direction of the whole body, is someone who, who's, who's looking at, at the whole, not necessarily all the details. And that's, so, so in our language, we maybe talk about being strategic or... Um, being a director of affairs, which is another word Paul uses actually writing to Timothy about elders who direct the affairs of the church well. 
and we've got some sort of grid for what our director might look like because we have them in businesses and it's that kind of sense of, okay, I think we're going this way. This needs to be resolved. This, needs, this is our direction. This is our vision. This is our strategy. This is what God's giving us as a community to pursue together. All right? So, so this, is, this is what we're dealing with and some of what we're dealing with when we're looking at this subject of, of, of elders and, or another phrase would be senior leaders or overseers. And uh, we want to invite you. We're kind of in, in this sort of final straight now of this process. I'm going to bring you up to speed with what we have been doing. I invite you to run with us for this last bit because you're going to make all the difference to this last phase of the process. So uh, I know it's chilly, but try and stay as engaged as you can. Do you need a hu- another hug from somebody or are you okay? I think you probably do. Go for it. Just <laughs> You're going to be best of friends with whoever you're sitting near, near with. I know Mark did uh, some of our background last week, some of our history to this point, and, and I, I don't want to get too detailed into that again. So I really encourage you to listen to what he brought last week. And... Uh, <clears throat> Basically, over the last four years ago or so, we've had, we've had a leadership team that's looked after the church of, of, of eight people. It became eight people when uh, Mark joined us a year and a bit ago, uh, and that would be Mark, Teresa, me, Jan, Nick, Jan McFarlane, Phil, Andy Fulton. Great team, and we always knew we were kind of this transition team that we're trying to figure out the way forward because we knew that all that God had been doing with us as a community had a different flavor to what we'd been used to in the past. It wasn't just about, wow, we now have women who lead in a senior space, it, which was a big change. But that, it, so it was about that, but not just about that. It was about this transition with developing an eldership that included women that reflected the spiritual gifting wider than just the pastors and teachers and that reflected this thing that we've been experiencing which was the invasion of heaven, the, the presence of God, the supernatural expression of God. What, what, would that adjust our perspective at all? And so we got on this journey and, and we've been working, particularly this year, probably since May, really hard on figuring those issues out We've written papers, we've spent hours in an afternoon discussing, and we came up with a way forward. We came up with something called a blueprint, because we felt that as a church we'd grown up in the environment and the family called New Frontiers, but actually now we weren't officially part of their structures and their authority to us was not in place anymore. We need not just to copy what our history had given us, but come up with a fresh sense of blueprint for the way forward and how we did this together. Uh, And we really felt authorized by God to do that, to actually stand in our own space, stand, as it were, confident that we had the the ability and the authority to move forward and create a process that was healthy for this community so that we can grow and influence this city and this nation as he's called us to do. So, (laughs) we have this team of committed people, gifted people who all love this church and the journey we're on to create a free, honoring, kingdom-first, supernatural environment where men and women can be in the place of senior leadership authority and nobody blinks. 
I'm going to say that again because that's worth hearing. We're about, as a team of excellent, committed, and gifted people who love this church, heart and soul, every single one of those people do. And we are on a journey to create a free, honoring, kingdom-first, supernatural environment where men and women can be in senior leadership together. I, I, I sat in a car with a friend of mine some couple of years ago now uh, with myself, two great women who you would know well, leaders amongst us, and this friend of mine at church down south. That's vague enough, isn't it? Uh, I love him. He's a great guy. Uh, and we'd come to minister at his church, and uh, he picked us up at the airport, and, and we're talking, and every time he only would give me eye contact. He would only ask me questions. So we got to his house and we were sitting in his lounge and the same thing was going on. So I kept deliberately moving my head to Teresa and Jan McFarlane. Teresa's my wife, by the way, if you don't know. She's sitting right here. Uh, and, and say, oh, what do you think? And what do you think? And, and make sure that they were engaged in the process. But it was almost as if, although these were amazing, gifted people, they were invisible because there wasn't a grid to honor women who were powerful leaders. And that's something that I believe we've changed in, in this environment, and we want that to continue and develop and deepen. Yeah, I actually sent him my paper, and he changed his mind. So, good testimony for today. That is, yeah. <laughs> so good. So, and also, I think Mark mentioned this, but early in this year, it became apparent that we'd lost clarity over spiritual authority because the existing three elders, which was Nick Treadgold, Phil Ford, and myself, had invited these others in without keeping some clarity. So actually, Pete Carter, friend of this church, apostolic friend, really gave us some good advice. And uh, he visited with us uh, one evening and, and kind of we reestablished the eldership without disbanding the seven, but it gave the eldership a, a place to function and lead this process through of establishing a new eldership and also lead the process of developing values that should be have also been doing. I figured out we'd spent 42 hours on that since May, guys. So you wonder what we've been up to. That's one of the things we've been up to. So we worked hard over the summer, what, figuring out what eldership is biblically, what does it mean in our new context of heaven to earth, what new processes do we have, how do each of us individually feel about the prospect of being an elder and having once we've understood better what we're actually talking about. So you can, it's hard to know if, if you feel called to it if you don't know what it is. Uh, but also that's a place of personal connection to Heavenly Father. What do you want? What are you saying? What are you calling me to do? And, and we also looked, huh, even looked at the name, the term elder. Did we want to change that? Because elder is a biblical word which we love, but it has connotations, some of which we didn't like. And we decided we would redeem the word rather than change the word. And why, why spend three, four weeks talking about spiritual authority is because actually nothing happens in the earth without authority. And just to spend a season talking about this is actually a good and healthy thing. And because we want to engage you guys in it so that you're engaging with this from a place where you're informed, not just... Uh, you know, observers of something going on. 
So here's the process we came up with, and it's based on basically, I think, five biblical foundations for the process. Number one we've mentioned already, which is a fundamentally, it's Holy Spirit that makes people elders. It's our job to, dis any process we come up with is in order to discover who he's working on and in. Yeah? Number two is that the apostolic is involved in recognizing elders, both if you've got it internally but also externally. So we wanted to honor the body of Christ, the gifts of Christ to his body that have a particular foundational role, which is apostles and prophets. We recognize that in Scripture you find that the people, the congregation, gets involved in identifying and recommending leaders as well. And we also reckoned that the already established leaders, so the people who are already elders, had a major say in the soon-to-be or proposed elders. And we see an example of that in actually in Ephesus when Timothy got there. He was a resident leader who was involved in raising up new leaders around him. And he's instructed to lay hands on no man hastily. It's the, one of the scriptures, if you want to look that up, 1 Timothy 5, 22. So if you want some scriptures to look at, Acts 14, 23, Titus 1, 5, Acts chapter 6, 1 Timothy 5, 22. We'll just, I always give you homework so you could go and do your homework. And obviously, the, the final principle is, is the individuals themselves need to feel that sense that there is the Holy Spirit conviction inside them. There's a personal call, personal faith uh, to go forward for this role. All right, so far? Okay. And we also recognize that our situation was new, so this was a bespoke process. It may not actually work out exactly like this the next time we do it, but I think the principles will definitely hold true. The principles are good, they sound, they're biblical, but the way they get applied may look slightly different. So here's what we came up with. Number one was each of the seven of us would privately tell the current elders, which was the three, who we think are the elders in our team. And also, the current elders would be engaged in that process as well. So we actually, the three of us said, we're up for reviewing this, each, each one of us, because we felt it was right to establish this whole thing afresh. So we kind of submitted that to the seven, which is really brave of, of all of us, actually, to do that. Um, so each, of the seven, so each of the team basically said, do, do I feel I should be an elder and who do I think in this team is an elder based on the criteria which I'll share with you in a minute. Um, and then the current elders pray, listen to God, think through the issues and develop their convictions on who they think the new elders are. All right, so the, the, the current elders have a big role in this turning point. Number three is that we, we're going to draw on our friend, uh, apostolic friend, Pete Carter, for input and wisdom and advice about the process, but also the who. Uh, and he was great. He said to us, well, I know your team pretty well, and he does. He, he knows us better than you may think. He's been with us several times at different key moments. And he said, what, what I, 
well, you come, let me know who you think. And if you think you're missing somebody out, I'll let you know. And if you think you're proposing someone that probably isn't right fit for now, I'll let you know that too. So that was honoring that conviction that we needed wise external eyes on the process. Then the next phase was that we were going to gather our wider teams. So the apostolic and prophetic team, the pastoral team, the teaching team, the mission resources team, and the trustees. We gathered as many of them who could get in a room, and we talked to them about this process, and we said, we want your feedback on the seven of us too. So we want to engage you. Here's what we feel. Here's what we think eldership is. This is the process. But the roughly 20 of you, would you tell us who you think of the seven should be elders, and we got a load of really helpful feedback over a period of four or five weeks of what people thought, and everybody's incredibly honoring, but also we have a very insightful group of leaders around us, so they were, they were very aware of the, the strengths and weaknesses of the individuals in the existing team, which is, it is true about leadership. One of the things that's slightly scary about leadership is you kind of put your head above the parapet as a leader you're much more on display and a lot of it people see the great things and also the things you're not so good at and that's, that's just what you do. So that, we invited them and, and we concluded that process really with them just last week. So we've been through this with them, got their thoughts and feelings and that was, that was very, very helpful. Uh, I'll say a bit more about them in a minute. So then finally, having gone through all of that with the seven and then the 20, the elders were to come to a decision and talk this through with the individuals that they felt were going to be elders going forward. Uh, (laughs) And then we would share it with the whole church and ask for your input with the goal. So we would share the proposed elders with you with the goal of getting you to feed back to us and then do the deed on the 28th of January. That's the laying on of hands of a new team. You're involved. You're invited. Your family. We need your heart. We need your heartbeat. We need your ears and eyes on this. All right? You up for it? (laughs) So we're planning on having a really fun, glorious day. So here we go. Here's... How am I doing? Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing all right, and I'm staying warm-ish. But I'm aware it may not be the case for you. Are you okay? Okay, good. It's warmed up a little bit. Um, so here we go. This is, this is what we, we came to as a team uh, about eldership, what they are. Because you need to hear this. this is sink in a little bit, soak in a little bit. Elders are called and established by the Holy Spirit and, how, and there is a conviction of heart that's in their heart that accompanies this. Their function is to create a secure, wholesome environment where God's presence is honored and, the, and, and it, as the priority, excuse me, and in which people are empowered and free. This looks like creating and protecting healthy boundaries, establishing biblically rooted values, teaching and feeding the environment. Their goal is the maturity in Christ of the whole body, but also seeing the kingdom of God manifest in and through it. So it's a kingdom-oriented, presence of God-orientated task, which includes the strengthening and maturing of the body. 
We want to move away from just a purely church-centered function for eldership to a kingdom presence-centered function. Okay, so far? If you, if you talk, it warms you up. It's scientific. Um, this requires the elders to have the following characteristics. Above all, an intimacy with God, hearing his voice and responding from that place. Number two, to see the whole picture themselves and be aware of the state of the whole church. As elders, it's not their primary job to represent a particular interest group or or focus in the church, but to see what is good for the whole body and to be strategic, that is, seeing ways through challenges, not simply presenting the team with the challenges, not simply seeing what the challenges are. So offering solutions, not just perceiving issues. To be a leader of leaders in our world, so they are people who can build and sustain a team, and obviously leaders are people who have people following them. Otherwise, you're not a leader. Be fathers and mothers who raise up sons and daughters to be fathers and mothers. And we use that because we wanted to communicate that the goal here is not the perpetuation of some grandfathers and mothers and lots of children that make them feel good. It's actually maturity of, in the discipleship process of people becoming fathers and mothers, taking responsibility in their own right. We don't want perpetual kids. That's not the goal. And we need people who can do that. Uh, be confident and able to reach and express a clear view. They are not go with the flow or sit on the fence people, but contribute to the development of perspectives. <clears throat> be stable and so able to stick with decisions and positions once established. Be able to, inc- this is a biblical phrase here, encourage, exhort, rebuke, confront, and give healthy feedback. Be people of godly character who increasingly embody the culture we are building. So they're really culture creators, so they need to be living that increasingly themselves. Be able to healthily function in a team, deferring and be able to mutually submit. Carry these responsibilities before God for the condition and direction of the church in all respects. This is their primary accountability. Have passion for the church have a passion for the church that shapes their lives and that they are demonstrably demonstrably sacrificial in their love for the church. Have a long-term commitment to this role, although it's not a job for life. Eldership is demanding, and to sustain it, if you're, particularly if you're a non-full-timer, with work and family commitments, is actually really demanding. So there are seasons of life, we want to recognize that, that, that people are committed to the role, but you're not stuck with it forever if you do that, particularly if you're in that kind of situation with family, job, etc. And the final point is that each one needs, in a potentially different ways, be conduits of the activity of the Holy Spirit to one another. We felt that Jesus' authority was fundamentally established by the, the, the miracles that he did. And so what we're looking for is people who, maybe not necessarily raising the dead, but you see the work of the Holy Spirit in and through their lives in different ways, and that is, is evident. That's our list. 
Good job, team. <laughs> when, when you have an eldership team, it makes a difference. It's because each one is accountable to God for the state of the church, so there's not one person more responsible than the other. So there's a, there's a, it's not just a sharing of the load, there is an equality in eldership which creates a healthy team. There's mutual accountability and submission within the team. And there is a team leader, but the context of that, is, is the goal of that is to create a context where everybody else can happen and keep the thing roughly on course for where we all... What I've discovered is we all agree to go somewhere, but you need someone who remembered what we all agreed to go to. It's just life is full, isn't it? And, and actually just, oh yeah, that was what we said. It's that kind of, there's agreement, but keeping the focus is really, really important. Uh, and we need as a congregation, as a community, to remember that accessing the team leader is not the highest point of reference. Well, I just must see the team leader, just must talk to Andy or whatever, because Actually, when you've got other elders, they all count. Talk to them. And they all are responsible for different things in different areas. Uh, and they need to all be honored and received in that light. Okay. So, this is a bit like Strictly Come Dancing, where I am going to tell you, <laughs> but not just yet. <laughs> So we feel because of all the consultation we've done with the seven, with the 20, actually for the three of us in eldership, it made us ask some really big questions. We prayed, we listened to the Holy Spirit, but we had a richer and stronger process because all these people got involved, got behind it, engaged their faith and their discernment. And so we then were presented with strengths and weaknesses. Oh my goodness, we are so well known by all these people around us and uh, the things that we can't do and the things that we're good at. And, and that whole input then to us as elders has been great. We've reflected on it, prayed on it. As I said, we referred to, to Pete Carter and, and we've come up with a solution and an answer and we feel to present to you today. Uh, but I need to ask Phil just to come and chip in at this point and just Talk about where he's at in all this. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Andy. Um, so, many of you will be will be aware if you've been around for a while that I've been uh, an elder in the church for, um, I think, around about seven years. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I think when we went into this uh, process, what I was really keen to do is is be honest. Um, to the process and you know the commitments that all of us make in our lives particularly when we make commitments uh, to worthwhile things they're 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 costly as they should be and uh, and they're time consuming and they take energy and focus um, away from perhaps uh, other things in in life and so you want to make sure that you're committed to the right things to the things that um that God has got for you. So I think when I went into this process, I wanted to be to be honest to it and uh, to myself, and, and to ask the question genuinely, ask the question of God again. Um, you know, is is this what you've got um, for me in this in this next season uh, of of my life? And um, you know, there have been other points 
along the way in these seven years when where that question does kind of occasionally crop up and you know I'm kind of of the disposition in my life that um, in the absence of a clear word from God I just tend to do nothing <laughs> uh, tend to just uh, go with the status quo and feel like you know the, the last time I heard from God is is the thing to stick with um, but uh, but I did ask the question again and asked it genuinely and kind of out of the blue really um, somebody uh, got in touch with me who didn't know I was asking this question and said I feel I feel like God's really spoken to me about you and then shared with me a picture and, the, and really the substance of the picture was that that they saw me essentially changing tracks um, in my life uh, around this this time and so I I thought well that's that's really interesting that that should come at this moment um, and so I I kind of prayed about it and and I also shared it with Nick and and Andy to get their thoughts and and we all just kind of sat on it for for a month or so because we thought that that was um, it's the right thing to just let it breathe a bit and and see how you're feeling and at the but at the end of that process I I I guess I it had come to settle in my heart that that actually this was God's uh, will for me and for for my life and for you know I, I assume that in the economy of God that if it's the right thing for me and it's the right thing for my family, then it's also the right thing uh, for Hope Church. I think that's that's the way he works. So um, the the kind of the upshot of it all is that um, I really feel um, that I've arrived at a place where I can um, kind of, in in all good conscience, before God, say that I feel that this is the right thing for me not to go forward um, to eldership in this time. Um, you know, who knows what God has got um, for me in the future. I would never have imagined um, 10 years ago that uh, the last 10 years would have happened as it has. Um, but what I do know is that right now, uh, I feel that it is, it is the right thing for me um, not uh, to go forward to eldership. So so that's what I'm going to do. So I'll, I'll be here at the end of um, January and when we're praying in the new eldership team and I'll be enthusiastically doing so and encourage you all to do, do the same. Um, I think that, I guess when, when you hear maybe something like this, you, you could potentially have questions and I'd be more than happy to, to answer them if you, if you do. Um, I think that's fair fair to you um but i think that there there isn't really much more to this than than the reality that i feel that god has god has spoken you know um there are lots of practical challenges to to being having a young family and a busy job and being an elder um but to be honest these practical challenges have been there for years and years and years and you kind of find a way to to shamble through <laughs> in life um but what's what's important is that the that you have an inner conviction that this is God's will for your life 
I think it was Muhammad Ali who said, it's not the, uh, the mountains that wear you out, it's the stone in your shoe. And uh, you can, you know, you can, you can bear anyhow if you have a very strong why. And uh, I've always had a very strong why um, up until very recently, but I feel like in this season it's time uh, for me to, to change track. And I'm not entirely sure to what, but that is what the Word of God was that came to me, and I'm trusting that and, and going with that. So there we go. Thank you. It, it's it, in the time we have, we don't have enough time to express how significant Phil is to us and how much he's contributed. But he has, and he does, and he's been wholeheartedly part of the whole process. Even as he started to feel, well, maybe I'm not going to be in this going forward. Uh, so we're going to miss his insight, we're going to miss his wisdom and his thoughtfulness. Um, but I think in the end we all just settled with it as we listened to him and prayed. And So thanks, Phil. Massive, like, bigger than Phil's a room, thanks. It's, I know you put a lot into this for years, so thanks. And we'll do more thanking over time. Uh, <clears throat> So, so that, that kind of me and Nick down to two, um, <laughs> but, but, but even were we going to be up for it, you know, we needed to, it really was a sense of new commissioning from God, did we have the conviction to go forward, uh, and yes, yes we do, is, is, is the bottom line answer, is yes we do, uh, God, I, again like Phil said, but I think we all wanted to make it a genuine process, not like, well of course we will be, you know, it's just kind of, no, actually bring it to God, let him speak. Very, very important. Uh, and in the whole team process, there's been, been others who've come to a point of going, this isn't for me or isn't for me now. So <clears throat> some of you are aware that for Teresa, she's not been part of the team this, for, for most of this year. So she's not been part of this eldership process. And Andy Fulton also has been in the team and fully part of this process, given himself thoroughly to it, but, but felt to not put himself forward to be an elder. So that left us with me and Nick and three other possibles. Uh, and we didn't just want to go, oh, well, that's what we're left with. We'll, we'll, that, that's not what we did. All right. We, that, that would be just make a, a mess of the whole process. We, we got together. We, Phil was engaged with this as well. And, and who is it, God? Is it none of them, all of them? We want to know what's the Holy Spirit doing. And so, <clears throat> I think I'm almost ready to tell you. <laughs> okay, now I've got a couple more things to say, sorry. It is just like strictly setting the stage, keeping the tension ramped up, keep... Uh, <laughs> Now, I, I, just some of the things to consider in, in, in it for us was obviously hearing God is the bottom line, but also God's creating a team here. It's not just about individuals with their strengths and weaknesses. And as I said before, we've all got weaknesses. And, and as you lead, those become as obvious to people as your strengths. And 
we needed a team that blended. And actually, God spoke to me about blend. And uh, he said, you're not creating Lagavulin, you're creating Chivas Regal. <laughs> so those of you who know about whiskey understand what I'm saying. So Chivas Regal is probably the, I don't know, the prince of blended whiskies. It's got many, it's a 12-year-old, but it's, it's a combination of flavors, whereas something like Lagavulin is a single malt that's one one flavor. Um, so, oh, okay. So I looked up, I looked up the Chivas Regal site, and it actually has a royal charter from 1843. So I was like, yes, royal charter from heaven. That's what we're going for. <laughs> and and it has, they have a sort of a, ta- a tagline, a family motto, which is by virtue, not by force, which is quite a good summary of what we've been trying to say to you about, about spiritual authority. Um, by, yes, so this, I'm getting the message here. So we, we processed this all through and, and felt that, yes, God was speaking to us, and then we also had to check. So all these people have been informed before this meeting, just so you know. Um, conversations have been had. So we would like to propose to you, our church family, that the following people be... Uh, established as our elders on the 28th of January. One would be Jan McFarlane. Two would be Mark, sitting right here, Mark Spicer. Three would be Jan Treadgold. Four would be Nick Treadgold. And five would be me. I'm still in. (laughs) I got enough votes. Oh, no, we didn't vote. We didn't vote. And we feel that that's a diverse team, diverse gifting, diverse personalities. And I think there's enough strength to cover the weaknesses and vice versa. So that's what we need. And I believe that what you end up with is a better flavor. So the outcome of the blend is, is a better flavor than of a one or a two kind of flavors in the mix. So we would like you to get excited about this. But more than that, we'd like you to listen to Holy Spirit. I'm believing that this morning that the Holy Spirit, and we're believing as a team really, that the Holy Spirit will commend this new team to your conscience and your faith. And that means that there's there's a spark that happens inside of you rather than you sit and go, oh, well, it's going to happen anyway. Yeah, good, good on them, great process. No, actually, we would like you to go, yay, 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 yeah, this feels good. We, and we would like to hear from you uh, words of encouragement, prophetic words, but also there's a genuine element here of feedback. If there's, what was that phrase, Mark? I'm just gone out of my head. I was talking to Mark the other day. If you know of any lawful impediment, why any of the five should not join the eldership team, because there's something that we genuinely have missed, then we really want to know, because if you like, the wedding happens on the 28th, and we, we, so there is an opportunity for, if you have a real concern, to, to feed that back to us, but, but don't just sit there going, oh, they'll know I'm happy, no, we want to know you're happy, we would love to hear your amen, your encouragement, your thoughts, your prophetic words, all right? Because that builds strength and momentum and faith towards the day because we'll, you are going to be involved in setting these people in. 
right? We're not flying someone in from the outside. We believe God's authorized us to do this as a family. Okay, so I will just leave it to the bigwigs. There are no bigwigs coming. We don't believe in bigwigs anyway. So let's boot that idea out and let's stand up as the body of Christ and let's lay hands on these people. So engage with the process as a family. That's what our appeal is to you. So please email. I mean, it'd be great if you just emailed all the current elders, Phil, Nick, myself, and we will republish our email addresses in Hope Speaks so that you, you know what that is. But there is a deadline of the 17th of December. Let's see, you have three weeks, I think. So 17th of December. And we're not saying we're going to get back to all of you because it would be impossible, but that doesn't mean we won't appreciate what you send in. That, my dear friends, is the plan. Yeah, we did it, guys. Well, actually, some of the some of the team are away on annual leave now. But those of you who are here, so Andy's at the back, Phil's here, Mark's here. Just stand up. Don't just clap me because we th- we did this together. And Nick and Jan are away, and Mark. Just stand up and give them a good good job. It's not just been about hard work. There's been heart work. I love it. It's an expression from the Puritans. There's been a lot of heart work. Even to go, like Phil said, or Andy said, this isn't for me. That takes heart work. That, that takes listening to God. But there's a lot of emotions involved in this, and you really want to commend those guys for doing the heart work. But also to put yourself forward and say, yeah, I want to do this takes hard work. That's a conviction to say, I'm putting my head above the parapet. I believe this is God. I'm willing to take the responsibility. You should commend these people so much for, for taking those steps, whichever way those have been taken. So thank you guys for listening, taking it in. Love to hear from you by the 17th of December, and we're going to have an amazing time on the 28th of January. Amen.